0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest, the Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler, and I've got with me today, Scott Snelser. How are you doing today, Scott? All right. Good to see you. Um, I want to welcome everyone to our show this afternoon, um, and just some quick reminders for housekeeping before we get started. Um, if you want to have any questions or uh, interact with us during our live show, um, you can do that in a couple different ways. If you're coming in on the Zoom app, Um, There's the chat window or the Q&A box and you could submit your comments or questions um, to those two places Uh, or if you're coming in on Scott's Facebook page um, I'm monitoring that live there is going to be probably about a a 15 to 20 second delay um, but I'll be watching those comments and you can put those in the comment box on Facebook and we'll uh, be happy to answer your questions or uh, comments throughout the show or if you have another uh, topic that you'd like us to discuss um, we have one uh, topic lined up but we're happy to pivot Um, and talk about that today if you have a specific question you want us to talk about today um, or if you want to spend some time uh, thinking about that and and submit that at a different time you can put that at biblequest.tv and give us your comments or questions there and uh, maybe in a future show we can address those questions Um, so with all that being said um, Scott what are we going to be doing today
1: Uh, yeah we're going to do Romans 12 today unless like Jonathan just pointed out you've got something you would rather us do instead uh so originally we started off with the intent that this would be a question and answer program and uh sometimes we don't have questions and so we get to talking and when we get to talking you know when <laughs> preachers get to talk and, uh, and so if you got a question we'd like to hear from you um i'd thrown out three topics earlier today to jonathan Romans 12 or Darwin's origin of species or some natural evidence of a creation. Uh, And Jonathan uh, leaned toward Romans 12, Romans 12, which is a great text, a lot of good stuff in there. But if you have something on your mind, please let us know. Mm -hmm. Type it in, uh, feed it in, put it in the chat window. uh, And we can talk about that. If we know anything about it, if we don't, we can say, I don't know. How many angels are left-handed? I don't know. But let's begin. And there's a lot of other stuff too. That's one for sure. I don't know. But let's begin. And Jonathan, how about you read for us verses one and two out of Romans 12? But before we do that, let's set the place of where this goes in the book. This is where the book switches from the conceptual describing the problem of sin and how it relates to jews and gentiles and is solved in christ and putting trust in him in the practical Mm -hmm. here's now how you should live Mm -hmm. he's just finished up uh the 11 chapters of the conceptual problem solution part and praise god for his plan and then we have this go ahead john
0: Yeah, and I was just going to say it's coming right on the heels of chapter 11, verse 33 through 36, which is really, really similar to the transition from Ephesians 3 to Ephesians 4 of just praising God for his greatness and his knowledge and wisdom and power and all that he's done. And so then there's this necessary kind of transition um, out of that. Um, But yeah, I'll read Romans 12, um, starting in verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect.
1: Right. I think this is just tremendously important. And tremendously important for us today as citizens here in the United States, if those of you tuning in happen to be here. But wherever you're at, it's important. Mm -hmm. But we live, the the world's always been corrupt. Um, It got so in the times of Noah that God destroyed it with a flood. Paul called it this present evil world in Galatians chapter 1. And if you've been watching our culture, you've been seeing it get more and more and more corrupt and evil and upside down. Mm -hmm. And so our job is to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. So how does this text relate to that, Jonathan? We're being called to hear what's that going to mean in our
0: lives? Yeah, so the first thing um, that, that he points out, and, and I'm not really answering your question, but I do want to notice the first kind of point in the verse is this transition that we've talked about based on the mercies of God is what Paul is saying. So like, like one of the first kind of steps to our transformation that we're going to start talking about of being in the world, but not of the world is being aware of and realizing the mercies of God and what God has done. Um, and that's a kind of this motivator earlier in Romans in like Romans chapter five, um, where Paul talks about the, the great love of God that he showed to us while we were still enemies. Christ died for us um, and, and that type of thing. So keeping all of that in mind, then to get to your question, it begins by this living our lives or presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, so it's no longer living for ourselves, but living for God. Uh, It's like what Jesus would say in Luke chapter 9. I think we talk about this verse sometimes on on Bible Quest. Um, But in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Um, And that's just something that most, pretty much all of the world does not do, the deny yourself thing. Um, there would be a lot of problems that would be avoided, a lot of issues that would be avoided. And when we start getting to more of the specific practicals later on in Romans 12, all of them are really kind of rooted in denying yourself, being selfless and instead looking to others. Um, and so uh, that's where it kind of begins in verse one of, of that living sacrifice and giving up the things that you desire and doing things that are higher than that above that doing things for God and for others. And
1: that self-denial, coupled with the motivation for it, can also be seen in 2 Corinthians 5. Listen to this. The love of Christ constrains us. I'm in 2 Corinthians 5.14. The love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all that they should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him for who for their sake died and rose again. And then it goes on to talk about there needs to be the new man and man, I tell you, it is easy to keep the old man around. Mm-hmm. And you look at the letter to the Corinthians, Paul spent a year and a half in that, uh, capital of Achaia and brought a number of people, uh, to conversion but then there was a lot of either reversion or not putting to death the old man in some of the people's cases. Cause when you study what the city of Corinth was like, and then you read the book of Corinthians, you see there's still being Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that we see that kind of shocking to us throughout that church there, John.
0: Uh, yeah, there's in chapter five, probably the most shocking is the man, this first Corinthians five, the man who's sleeping with his father's wife um and paul even kind of talks about that as the most shocking that's something that paul says not even the the the, the pagans yeah. are doing that
1: yeah um, they're making pagan the pagans yeah and so many uh, suing each other and the uh the rich or the, or the better off mistreating the the ones that were not well off and mm-hmm. just over the pride and the arrogance and the the love of uh, philosophy and rhetoric that was popular in Greece, Mm -hmm. seeping in into and corrupted the church. So think how easy it is for us, whether uh, let's name some categories, entertainment, Mm -hmm. language, dress, habits, family structure, child rearing, it's easy for us to look around, see what people in our community do, see what our friends and neighbors and cousins do, and say that's good enough. What's wrong with that?
0: Uh, well, that's not rising to the calling that we've been called um, to God. Um, what we've been called to walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called to, uh, you know, be in the world, not of the world. If if worldly practices are just, you know, good enough for us, then that's being conformed to the world, like what he says in verse two, and not being transformed. Um, There's, as a Christian over and over, um, being a child of God requires this growth process uh, in in the Bible. Um, There's a verse that I think about, um, sometimes I've been thinking about recently, um, in Hebrews chapter five, verse 14. um, This is in the section where um, the Hebrew authors is writing to those Christians and kind of um, rebuking them for their lack of growth. Um, and he says, you should have been able to be teachers by now, but you're still on the milk of the word rather than the, the meat. And he says, uh, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Um, that's a really interesting phrase, I think, but the idea of it is that through constant practice of righteousness and godliness and 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 uh, learning and growing that we become better at discerning good from evil and then fulfilling the good uh, in our lives and 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 pleasing God uh, in that way and so setting the bar really low is not what God does for us Um, he has a very high calling high standard and so if we try to set the bar low for ourselves then we're we're not doing what God wants us to do and there are plenty of warnings Uh, about that even within Romans. In Romans chapter 11, the chapter right before, um, Paul says, note then the kindness and severity of God. Kindness um, towards you, provided that you continue in his kindness, but severity towards those who who fall. Um, So we need to watch out for that in our lives.
1: So don't be fashioned, verse two, according to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, living in this world uh, has an impact on us. Uh, now, not everything in this world is is evil. Uh, some things are, are good. Some things God created the world. There's a lot of good things in it. Um, and people are capable of good. And then there's things that are neutral. But there's just so much corruption. So we got to look at where we're being fashioned. So I want to suggest we do something here. Uh, Jonathan, have you ever
0: seen the book by Bill Hall called Two Men? uh i've seen the cover but i've never read it i think he
1: i think he based it on the idea of when jesus gave the parable in luke 18 two men went up to the temple to pray and then he describes the one arrogant guy and the one humble guy and uh bill hall in his book he just took that principle and applied it to a lot of things like two men you know, uh, do this or do that uh, and just describes somebody doing it right and somebody just doing it in a way that's too common and too easy and not right. So let's do that with say, let's say a family man uh, and we're both family men. So let's start with that. And if we're fashioned according to this world, uh, let's start, let's start with the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my boy's, uh, soccer uh, game and it's scheduled for Sunday morning and all the other kids on the team, whose their parents are either atheist agnostic or Episcopalian or Lutheran, or, or whatever they're, they're going to be at the game. And so I decide, wow, well, you know, we got to go to the game. So we're not going to go to church that morning. We're, we're going to go to the, uh, soccer game. Uh, we're gonna be planning our vacation and, and we're headed to the beach. And uh, you know, my wife takes my daughter to pick out her swimsuit, which is less than her undergarments. And but if anybody asks us about that, they say, Well, well, we're going to the beach. That's what people wear at the beach. And of course, what people wear that at the beach? Worldly people. People today in our society, that's right. what they wear. Uh, to the beach. And so, well, that's what we're going to do. Uh, when I'm at work, my language matches the language of the other guys in the break room. Uh, when they tell a off-color joke, I'm laughing because everybody else is laughing. And so I'm just, I'm very much fashioned according to this world. Uh, Jonathan, paint a picture of somebody. You can use those examples in a reverse or some other things. What would it look like for uh, dad to be not fashioned according to this world?
0: Uh, Yeah, so starting on the Sunday morning, um, obviously, regardless of what's going on, whether you've got, you know, all of your buddies want to go on a fishing trip or uh, you've got, you know, your child's sports games or whatever, the priority is going to worship God. And so we're going to go and gather with the local saints and worship God like he's instructed for us to do. Um, and then later on through the week, maybe it's vacation week. Um, probably one of the things you're going to be thinking about on where you're going to vacation is, uh, is there going to be a location close to where I'm going, uh, where, where we're going, where I can go and worship, uh, at the time that's needed. If you're going to be there, you know, on, leave you on, on Saturday, um, to go on vacation, is there a church that you can meet with the saints on Sunday, uh, the place you're going for vacation, um, and uh, when you go to work, you need to go to work, you go and work your, your job, but when you get home, um, it's not just that you uh, get to go to bed or, or you know, uh, watch TV or play your games or, or whatever you want to do, um, but you're the head of the house. And so you've got kids, you go and spend time with them and, and enjoy being with them and go and play with them and build your relationship with them and teach them instruct them things um, and not neglect your family um uh in ways like that um they're just I don't know a lot of different pictures that you can get um yeah. Yeah.
1: let's pursue that last one a bit i'm i'm the other guy uh and you know i don't see my kids very much uh i have a career in this field and i make this much money and the girl i married has a career in this field and she makes this much money and so put that together, we've got this much money and we've been buying lots of toys. We bought that really nice house. It was maybe a little bit more than we could afford, but, you know, we really like it. And, you know, I've got my, my RV and, and uh, you know, we got all our equipment and everything else and we're saving for the vacations. And, and so we're both working really hard and I'm putting in a lot of overtime. And so we just drop off the kids at daycare. And then at night, I don't see him that much. I mean, I try to spend, you know, 15 minutes of quality time with them, but that doesn't always go well, but I'll make up for it when I take them to uh, Disney world. <laughs> yeah. Is that going to work very well? No. Mm-mm. What are some biblical principles that I should be thinking about? Like Ephesians six bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, uh, uh, letting mom have time to be all with the kids, et cetera, in Titus chapter Uh 2. There's biblical principles we need to be paying attention to. So Uh don't be fashioned according to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Any further thoughts on that before we go further, John? Hmm. All right. Verse 3 For I say, through the grace it has given me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but so to think as to think soberly, as God has dealt to each man a measure of faith. Then it gives some examples. For even as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we who are many are one body in Christ, several members one of another. Having gifts differing according to the grace that was given to us Whether the prophecy, let us prophesy according to our proportion of our faith, or ministry uh, to our ministry, or he that teaches to his teaching, or he that exhorts to his exhorting, or he that gives with liberality, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy, With cheerfulness. Let's back up to the beginning of that. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think soberly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it possible to think too little of ourselves? Sure. Yeah. Can we think of somebody in the Bible that does that? Um, I'm going to go with the one talent man. He's maybe more laziness, uh, but it it does say he was afraid, Mm -hmm. Um, and he was afraid that he would fail,
0: and uh, so he
1: he just buries his talent in the earth.
0: Yeah, there's Um, also also Moses, whenever God comes to Moses in Exodus 3 and 4, and he's constantly saying, nope, not me, not me, not me. Yep,
1: yep. And so it's possible for us to think too little of ourselves. I couldn't do that. Maybe there's a conversation between some neighbors or at the store or somewhere else and people are bringing up a biblical question. And I'm thinking, hey, should I say something? To I might say the wrong thing. Well, but I might say the wrong thing. I might not do a good job. Mm-hmm. And then later, oh, I wish I would have said something, but say I... yeah. hey, something. Mm-hmm. Uh, But very often, it's that we think too highly of ourselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is illustrated by the poll that I saw some results of several years ago. Uh, According to polling, most Americans believe that they are above average in intelligence Mm -hmm. compared to, you know, the people around them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's... Mathematically, average means <laughs> average. You know, if most people, are, yeah, most people are not above the fifty percentile, mm-hmm. uh, but we just have an uncanny ability to overestimate ourselves. Can we think of some biblical examples of some people whose perception of self was? far above where they should have perceived Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so there's you already mentioned the guy in luke 18 and Jesus' story the pharisee and the tax collector the pharisee is all about himself and how great he is and what he does and basically gives off the impression that god you're lucky to have me yeah kind of thing
1: yeah uh how about Korah? mm-hmm Cora is not satisfied with his lot in life, and he's pretty full of himself until the Earth gets full of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so real dangers there. Um, I saw an interesting quote recently uh, about uh, don't the person that's hungriest for power is not the person that you should give power to. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was a Thomas Sowell quote, quote. Uh, Mm -hmm. so don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Think soberly. What about this? According to as God has dealt each man a measure of faith. Mm -hmm. Calvinists believe that faith is something that God doles out to people. Um, And scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. In Calvinism, they believe if you're not one of the elect, you can't have faith. If you're one of the elect, God has chosen you to be one of the ones that he gives faith to. And when he gives faith, he gives it uh, like, like grace. You're, you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a passage in Ephesians, I won't take time to go into, that they use to claim that faith is a gift of God, but they don't understand the Greek pronouns there. Uh, that go against that, won't take time to get into that technicality, but here's another verse that they might point out, and they say, look, God's the one that gives the measure of faith. Well, that verse might sound like, what, what did Jesus sometimes rebuke the apostles for? Oh, ye of
0: little faith.
1: Yeah. Uh, was he just letting them know that's all the faith God let them have? Or was there some rebuke there?
0: Yeah, there was some rebuke. He was expecting them to have more faith. but yeah. I mean. So what is
1: the measure of faith here? I'm going to suggest this. Um, we've got measure and we've got faith in the genitive or possessive case. There's two ways we do that in English. Uh, if I'm talking about Jonathan's uh, chair that he's sitting in. I could say Jonathan's chair, you
0: know, Jonathan,
1: apostrophe, s chair. Or I could say the chair of Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Both mean the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So here where it says measure of faith in Greek, it's not measure. And then a Greek word of, and then faith it's measure. And faith is in the genitive. Uh-huh. It's gonna end with a, with a genitive possessive ending, like Jonathan's. Yes. Uh-huh. How about read this this way? According as God is dealt to each man, faith's measure. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Even as we have many members in one body, all have not the same office. Verse six and having differing gifts, according to, to the grace that was given us, corresponding to faith's measure, Mm -hmm. uh, where you find yourself. If you're a prophet, do that. If you're in a position to be showing mercy to somebody, do that with cheerfulness. If you're teaching, do that. Uh, So I think that might be a helpful way to view that verse. Any thoughts Mm -hmm. on that, Jonathan?
0: Yeah, so what verse three, I think verse three is, is really broad in, you know, how we're supposed to think of ourselves in relation to other people and things like that. Often we want to compare and contrast ourselves with other people. Um, we don't need to be doing that um, really in any circumstance. Um, but he gets down into like verse four and five, and it seems like he's kind of more focusing then on our relationships with each other as Christians, brethren, and our views of each other um and and in that relationship don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to um but think with sober judgment i think that's really important for christians to remember um that how christians treat each other like these verses that talk about how we think about ourselves and our pride and our arrogance they apply to our relationships with brethren as well and it's really really easy to become prideful and arrogant toward our brethren Um, So like in another kind of similar passage, Paul will bring up the the body of Christ and that image of the body in 1 Corinthians 12, um, where the Corinthians were having that kind of issue of thinking that they were better than one another for whatever reason. And he gives that that image of like, you know, the whole body can't just be an eye, and the whole body can't just be a hand, because if the whole body was an eye, couldn't pick up anything, (laughs) or couldn't smell anything, or if the whole body was a hand, it couldn't move, it couldn't go anywhere. Um, and, and so each of the body members have their specific roles and their purposes and, and work together in the one body. And he makes that similar kind of point here, uh, that, you know, what, what you've been given use for the good of the body. Um, and don't think of yourself too highly because you're, you're still a part of that body. It's kind of similar to, again, one more thing about that in, in John five or John 15, where, uh, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Um, it's not you that support the vine, but it's the vine that supports you. Um, and all of us need to remember that um, in our relationship with each other and as Christians in the church.
1: I'm glad you brought up that first screen in this 12 passage. Let's explore that a little bit.
0: Think how easy it is
1: to take for granted the roles that other people play yeah. and then assume too much about the role that we play. hmm So what was a prominent role in the body in that illustration that Jesus, that Paul gives? The eye, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm the eyeball, I'm the eye, you know, window to the soul right here. You know, it's if anybody sees anything going on, it's gonna be me. I'm the one that sees it all, feeds it to the brain. Everything's going through here. What are the feet? Well, the feet are what get me around so I can see more things. Mm -hmm. you know, hands. Well, yeah, the hands, uh, sometimes I need them to pick something up and turn it over so that I can see the other side. Mm Um, you know, the, the, the voice, well, I mean, it's got its place when I see somebody, I want to say something to, you know, I need that voice to be there, but you see how through all of this, the eye is really seeing a whole lot of eye Mm -hmm. and taking everybody else for granted. Uh, And, of course, any part can do that. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, let's start with verse 9. And, by the way, audience, we would like to hear from you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on this passage, uh, anything that comes to mind, or any questions you would like us to address today? And, by the way, we should probably say, I think we've been offline for, was it two weeks or three weeks, Jonathan? Two weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Jonathan was out of town, and then uh, uh, we were out of town for a family funeral, and um, so it's been a few weeks, a little while since we've been back, good to be back today, and mm-hmm. we'd like to hear from you if you got a question. Verse 9, a lot of exhortation here, just mm-hmm. bam, bam, bam. Let's read them alternately. I'll read one, you read one back and forth. Okay. Let love be without
0: hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good.
1: In love of the brethren be tenderly affectionate one to another.
0: Mm-hmm. Outdo one another in showing honor. In diligence, not
1: slothful.
0: Be fervent in spirit, Serving the Lord. Rejoice
1: in hope. Patient in tribulation. Being constant in prayer. Communicating to the necessities of the saints.
0: And seeking to show hospitality.
1: Bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not.
0: Rejoice with those who rejoice.
1: Weep with those that weep.
0: Live in harmony with one another.
1: Set not your mind on high things, but condescend to things that are lowly.
0: Never be wise in your own sight. Render to
1: no man
0: evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all.
1: If it be possible,
0: as much as in you lies, be at peace with all men. Beloved, do never, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And then
1: I will recompense. Oh, yeah, you, you got that part. But if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he's thirsty,
0: give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil.
1: But overcome evil with good. This is a really rich section. Uh, which is the, Pick one of those out that you'd like to talk about, Jonathan.
0: Um, I like, uh, in the, uh, the, the first one is always, I think my favorite in verse nine, um, the abhor what is evil, or I guess the second one, really, um, it's let let love be genuine and then abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Um, I think that's a, that's a really helpful place to start in really kind of all of these things of learning to abhor evil and cling to good. Um, and th- that's a really powerful word. It's a word that I don't really use very often, the uh, abhor in my life. Um, it's not a very common phrase that I just use in everyday conversation. But the idea behind that, if I understand correctly, is like evil disgusts me. <laughs> yeah. um, like Like if I abhor... Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I don't want to smell Brussels sprouts. I don't want to look at Brussels sprouts. I don't want to taste Brussels sprouts. I don't want to get close to Brussels sprouts. I don't want to think about having Brussels sprouts for dinner. I abhor Brussels sprouts. Um, and that's how we need to feel about wickedness and evil. And that's hard sometimes because, frankly, sometimes wickedness is appealing. Um, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it has instant gratification. Sometimes you get a temporary boost in ego that feels good or, or whatever else, but we need to train ourselves to abhor it, to yeah. hate it, um, mm-hmm. and instead be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, like what Jesus says, and cling to what's good. Um, you know, I, I can train just in that illustration I used, I can train myself to no longer abhor Brussels sprouts by forcing Brussels sprouts down my throat. And eventually I'll start liking Brussels sprouts, which is actually true. I used to hate Brussels sprouts whenever I was a kid, but I like Brussels sprouts now because I was forced to to eat them. Um, and if we, if we do that with wickedness, we're not going to be training ourselves to abhor it. We're going to be training ourselves to develop a taste for it. Um, so yeah. And
1: what are some practical ways to learn to apply for something? Because the challenge is, as you mentioned, uh, sometimes sin is very, you know, enjoyable. Uh, Hebrews refers to the pleasures of sin. First. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some sins that aren't that enjoyable. Sure, Jealousy. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a strange sin. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's what do you get out of it? Mm-hmm. But it makes me feel so miserable. <laughs> yeah, wow. Know. Mm-hmm. Winter, winner, chicken dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of sins, there will be some gratification up front. And so how do we learn to abhor that? What are some practical tips? I'm going to throw out one. Uh, think about what it leads to. Yeah. You know, think about where it goes don't just think about where it starts think about where it goes mm-hmm. if you are if you have a allergy uh to a food or, or or your system will not tolerate a certain food and your tongue thinks oh yummy there's that again but the rest of you know just what it's going to do to your body for the next 24 hours the rest of you is saying no no mm-hmm. no oh because you're thinking about the consequences that are going to happen, and it helps you abhor it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What are some other ways to practical tips on learning how to abhor?
0: Yeah, similar similar to that, but slightly different in my mind is thinking about what it actually offers you versus what you're forfeiting to yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, so, like I think about in Matthew chapter six, Jesus goes through um, three different kind of examples of talking about doing your righteousness to be seen of men in kind of this self, self-righteous, arrogant type of way. Um, so praying in the marketplace or, or giving and sounding your trumpet whenever you give to the needy or fasting and, and making sure that everyone knows that you're fasting. And in each of those, he says, if you're doing that to be seen of men, that's your reward. Yeah. But you don't get a reward in heaven. <laughs> uh, you know, the father is not going to reward you. And really just kind of weighing like, is that the reward that you want? Um, or would you rather have a better reward? So like Paul talks about the, the things in his life that he had in Philippians chapter three and how he came to the realization that all of those things that he could have had were like trash. They were like rubbish in comparison to knowing Jesus is Lord. Um, and so, you know, what, what reward do you want? <laughs> do you want the instant gratification do you want the instant feel good or do you want the long-term benefits and blessings?
1: Another thing that I think can sometimes help us abhor what is evil. If you're tempted with something and your, you know, your spirit is saying, no, that's not a good idea. But your flesh is saying, Oh, it's a good idea. Um, and if your mind is trying to come up with some justification or something, picture somebody you really respect facing the same you know issue or question mm-hmm.
0: um
1: i think all of us have somebody you know in, in our past or present that we just really really deeply respected them and when i'm struggling with a tough decision stop how how would i feel or you could even use a biblical character you know Paul or Barnabas or or, or or the Lord, I mean, you don't impose sin on the Lord, but how disappointed would you be if instead of us following the Lord, the Lord followed us, you know, and, uh, but pick somebody that you respect. And if they made that bad choice, how disappointed would you be? Mm-hmm. So putting it somewhere else can help us abhor. That's mm-hmm. kind of what Nathan does to David. hmm hmm uh, yep. It's not so much that he respects the the fictional guy in the story, mm-hmm. but he just, it's not on him suddenly. Yep. And so the justification process isn't needed. He just seeing it out there just straight. And wow, he abhors what he sees out there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that? Nope. All right, let's pick one or two more here to talk about.
0: Like also at the end of verse 16, um, never be wise in your own sight. Um, That's kind of where he starts in verse three of think of yourself with sober judgment, not too highly of yourself. Um, And the, the proverb that comes to my mind, whenever I see that never be wise in your own sight is the let another's lips praise you and not your own. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, really easy to have this, Better than what you actually are view of yourself. Um, and and to want others to see that view also. One of the things that's really ironic about that is it doesn't really matter the how good of a light you try to paint yourself in, you're probably not gonna fool many people into thinking that you're better than you actually are. Um, and so I think it's helpful. Um, something that I heard, I can't remember who said. Um, this before in the past, but I've heard it from a number of people. A helpful thing to pray and and to meditate on in our lives is to pray that God would help us to see ourselves like God sees us rather than how we want to see ourselves. Um, yeah. And uh, if we see ourselves in that light, that's a big dose of humility, but also a big motivation strive to do better and be the living sacrifice that we need to be but it's so easy to just naturally revert into being wise in your own sight praising yourself thinking that you're all that and really you're not yeah
1: and going back to proverbs it says at least once if not two or three times the the fool is wise in his own eyes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very good um Let's pick another one here. We got a couple more minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, If your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him to drink. Uh, For in so doing, you shall keep coals of fire on his head. If I remember correctly, I think that's from Proverbs. Is it chapter
0: 25? Uh, Yeah, I think Proverbs 25. I'm going to look it up really quick. I just read that recently. Yeah, Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. Basically, basically an exact quote says, If your enemy's hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you.
1: So the object is, Oh, I want to make him miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's the best, cheapest way to heap coals of fire on his head? Uh, Yeah. What's the point here? Verse 21 don't be overcome by evil overcome evil with good mm-hmm. if you do evil to me and so i'm going to do evil back to jonathan um whatever good i might have had has been overcome because now i'm just trying to repay you for the evil you did to me uh, and again it's because of selfishness we get so upset that there was something done to us mm-hmm. and then if instead, if we do good, how might that overcome evil?
0: Uh, really, the proverb was talking about this a lot, but it really kind of diffuses situations most of the time, maybe not all the time. But you think about like someone's angry and screaming and yelling at you and, and you know, profanities and name calling, all that kind of stuff. And you respond calmly and kindly and in control. That's probably going to help diffuse the situation rather than getting into the shouting war. Um, yeah. with each other yeah mm-hmm. i think also like the the idea i've heard i've heard some think that oh you know romans twelve twenty this is the christian's way of getting vengeance and getting even <laughs> and it's like no because right before in verse 19 never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of god um god will take vengeance for for wickedness and evil it's not our responsibility to do that but but we shouldn't try to overcome evil with evil. Um, but we shouldn't also be doing good so that we can like beat someone into submission or something like that. Really, like our attitude needs to needs to not be the one of like getting vengeance. Um, it's just being kind. Um, Let me
1: share a story from East Europe, uh, a number of years ago. Uh, there was a fellow I used to study with. He was a little bit obnoxious. He was a reporter for one of the tabloids and he knew what I was teaching was contrary to his faith. And he would come and he would study, but as I said, it'd be kind of difficult. And then a friend of his that he brought later told me when when the other guy wasn't there, he said, the reason he studies with you is to waste your time. Hmm. Oh, that, you know, to interfere with your time of not being able to do more of what you do i guess he's he's purposely trying to waste your time at the end of that year uh last time he was over uh and i think maybe we had him for a meal that day and uh he said he said i have given you a hard time and he said but you have never mistreated me he said, maybe the next time you come back to Prague, I will be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it, I, I don't know what happened in his life. I don't know what he did. I don't know where he is today. But at that point, if, if I had just you know, treated him badly, um, it wouldn't have had the same impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might not have had enough impact to change him. But it shows the capacity that when somebody mistreats you, if you don't mistreat them, it kind of registers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Good point. I think our time is up, but I enjoyed our discussion on Romans 12 today.
0: Yeah, yeah. So thanks for going through that, Scott. Thanks to our audience for for tuning along with us. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot more to discuss in Romans 12. So uh, if you're reading through that, have some more questions that you'd like us to address or talk about on the show. Uh, or any other questions that you uh, would like us uh, to discuss. Um, Scott mentioned at the beginning of our show um, two kind of alternative topics that were kind of on uh, Scott's mind. were are uh, studying and talking about natural evidences um, and then also looking at uh, Darwin's origin of the species. If those are interesting to you, um, you can let us know about that online and we can talk about that in future shows or another topic um, that you have, um, maybe something that's uh, going on right now uh, in the world and you'd like you know, to discuss the biblical answers of dealing with that kind of situation in the world. Um, We're happy to do that as well. So thank you again for uh, joining us today. Um, And that's all that we have for this week. So we'll see you all next week, Lord willing.